Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. And before we jump into today's interview, I'm so excited to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my Sustainable Visibility Incubator. If this is the first time you're hearing about this, then I want to let you know it is my six-month high-touch group coaching program, where I'll take you through a three-phase process to help you break out of the cycle of inconsistency when it comes to your visibility. It is all to help you become truly aligned with your message that you actually want to amplify. And I'm bringing this into existence, my friend, because many of the conversations that are happening online right now around visibility is pretty much put yourself out there, do this and that will happen, start before you're ready, all the things. And while, of course, action is a crucial part of your visibility, what's also important is to become aware of the reasons why you're not showing up. And trust me when I say it is not because you're lazy, it's not because it's just fallen on the bottom of your priority list, it's not because you're bad at time management or even imposter syndrome. That's all at the surface. Because what visibility is all about is being seen. And unless you have done the inner work to help you create space and develop a capacity to receive this volume of people who will come your way through your visibility work, it will not be sustainable. And that's why in this group coaching program, it's all about aligning it to your lifestyle, your goals, your strengths, your personality. So that way, as you show up, you do want to be seen and you want to amplify. So if you're somebody who's interested in doing the deep work in order to do the outer work and sustain it long-term, I would love to see you inside the program. And due to the intimate nature of this work, this will be by application only to ensure that each individual is specifically chosen for this work. So if you are interested in applying for a space, be sure to follow the link in the show notes for the application and follow the steps from there. I really can't wait to hear from you, my lovely, because honestly, This program needs to be brought into existence now to ensure that your visibility is sustained for the long term. So I can't wait to see you there. And now on with the interview. Hello, my lovely Quiet Rebels. I am so stoked to have our special guest on the show today who's going to be walking us through how we can bring storytelling into our content creation and the two different types of content as well. So I'm not going to give all the gems away, but we all know how powerful storytelling is, right? But just because we know it's powerful doesn't really, like we don't really have a roadmap on how to integrate it into actual content and how we show up online. And so that's why I'm super, super stoked to have Cheryl Lau on the show today to walk us through all the things. So Cheryl, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, Mekay, thank you so much for inviting me here. Yeah, we we just bonded over cats recently. So obviously we're besties. (laughs) And it's just, oh, yeah, the cats was a big thing. But 
Cheryl has been like super supportive of the podcast and I just like love how she shows up online and that's why I really wanted to kind of like bring her onto the show just kind of like share with us like how she does it so seamlessly literally every day like every time I'm on Instagram she's showing up in her stories and so we're not necessarily just talking about Instagram stories but literally integrating storytelling into Instagram stories if that makes sense but this can apply to different um, social media platforms as well right for sure for sure yes you know stories is part of everything everything we do so definitely not just Instagram stories but all parts of our business so before we get into the goodies, could you kind of like share with us how you got into this in the first place? Because I know that you're a personal branding strategist. So what's been your journey up until now? And like, why do you want to kind of like bring this topic to us today about the power of storytelling? Like, what's it done for you and your clients as well? Love to know all the things. All right. So I guess to give a Cliff Notes version of it, a few years ago, actually, you know, Back when I was in school from high school and university, I was your typical straight-A student. I was very eager to do well and to please my parents. And it really started from that point. So I'm just going to start from there. So during school, I was always studying, trying to get the best grades possible. And when I got into law school after university, after for the postgraduate law degree, you can bet I was ecstatic and over the moon because I thought I had made it. But then everything was going fine up until I actually did my legal internships. And I I sat in my internship and I looked around with piles of contracts and paperwork. And I was in my formal business attire and it felt so stuffy. And I just realized, Ooh, what am I doing? This isn't who I am. This isn't what I want to be wearing. This isn't what I want to be doing. I don't want to be in a law firm doing paperwork the entire day. And that's when I realized, oh man, I have been doing things for the sake of prestige, for the sake of pleasing others, and for the sake of impressing other people up until this point in my life. And that's when I realized, okay, law, a legal career isn't the right path for me. And that's when I decided to leave law school. So I dropped out of law school. And it was that point that was kind of my quarter life crisis, you can say. Um, I was about 24 at that point. And I was just so confused and that's when I started dabbling in career websites online and I started seeing this word called personal branding and it came up over and over again and I wasn't really sure what that was but it was very interesting because it talked about things like differentiating yourself, positioning yourself, authenticity online and offline and those are very interesting and so I thought well hmm, I have nothing to lose right now. I just dropped out of law school. I don't have a job. What can I do? So I started a YouTube channel and, you know, up until this point, even in law school, especially, I felt like sharing your story wasn't really, nor it wasn't really mm, encouraged, you could say, but rather I always felt like there was a checklist of things I had to check off in order to quote unquote, make it in the industry. And so when I suddenly had the freedom to do whatever I wanted, I wanted to start a YouTube channel and just to share my quarter life crisis of the world. And, you know, at that point, I had a lot of self doubt about who would want to listen to my story, who would want to listen to a law school dropout. People are going to think that I'm not credible. People are going to think that she has no qualifications. She just dropped out of law school. Like she's a quitter. Who would, why would, why should I listen to her? And those are thoughts that I've had at the very beginning of my YouTube journey. And, you know, even now when I'm many months later into my business, these thoughts still come out about it related to who am I to share my story? And I'm sure that many of the Quiet Rebel listeners may also experience this sometime in their journey about, you know, who am I to do this? Who am I to share this story? But, you know, what was interesting from starting that YouTube channel was that people were actually interested and what I had to say about my quarter life crisis. I had people uh, reach out to me through YouTube or through my Instagram sharing that they watched my videos and they really resonated. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, wow, my story has a place in this world. That was the first time in my life where I felt like my story has a place and people actually would listen to it as long as they resonate with it. And I guess that was the genesis or that is the the turning point of my online presence journey. And that's when I started to really show up online more consistently to share my thoughts and ideas and to build relationships and make friends. 
And that's, yeah, that's really how it all started from that YouTube channel, which doesn't exist anymore because life got busy, but, (laughs) (laughs) but Hey, that's how I got started. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's really, that's really interesting. And I'd, I'd actually love to hear kind of, um, so the YouTube channel for you was kind of like the catalyst for like where you have, um, grown into a business because I'm pretty sure at the beginning you didn't intend to start a business but just a way for you to kind of like share your thoughts and things so what was the turning point there where you actually transitioned into actually doing personal branding for others yeah so you know when I saw that people actually were curious about my story and I was learning you know at the same time I was learning about concepts like social media marketing content And it made a lot of sense because people were asking me about how did you show up online to talk about your story? Like, where did you get the confidence? Mm -hmm. And those questions from my audience, they really helped me realize that, you know, I can share a bit about this, even though I'm only a few steps ahead of them, I can still share what I've learned so far. And so I actually worked with people for free at first. I had free coaching calls, free consultation calls, just to see if I could actually help them. And then it worked. (laughs) And that's how the business started. So I started working with people in a paid capacity after I realized that I could actually help them build an audience. I could actually help them get clients of their own. And that's how my current coaching practice came about. Love it. So it was was almost like completely by accident. But then when people started to ask you, like, how did you get the confidence to speak about your story? Because there is something that I can definitely resonate with. It's kind of like feeling as if your story doesn't have a place unless you have a certain level of credibility and I'm sure that many other quiet rebels listening do feel that way like oh well who's going to want to hear about my stories so in your experience it's kind of like actually this was the turning point to actually draw more people in because suddenly people are like oh finally someone is talking about something that I've also gone through so that's the power of storytelling right oh for sure and you know I I'm not sure if you can relate to this, Nikki, but sometimes the things that we are so hesitant to share are the ones that really resonate yes. most deeply for our audience. Have you yes. had that happen? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I shared this on an episode around October on the podcast. Um, it was called Showing Up a Work in Progress. And I recalled the story of when I was at a live event and there was just shy of a thousand people in the room. And I spoke about how like I'm not fully in integrity with what I do yet because I there are a couple of final people left for me to speak to about the fact that I'm in a same-sex relationship. And the woman on the stage is someone who I admire very much named Amy Porterfield. And she has such a wonderful audience. And as I was speaking about the story, I made her cry on stage. And then when I spoke about, you know, this is going to happen like very soon. And I know it's going to be like, it's going to be like a big relief, but I want to do this to show my future children that I have the courage to be true to who I am. And I want them to be true to who they are. And I kid you not, Cheryl, I have video evidence of this. I haven't published it anywhere because it's very private, but I have a video that um, two of my friends, like they were recording this as it happened because they knew something was about to happen. And then as I looked around, as I had tears streaming down my eyes, the audience rose to their feet and like was like applauding in the bravery. Like I've made other people cry um, because especially if they're in the, um, because you know, as you were saying earlier, when you say something that resonates with someone because it's exactly what they're going through, there were a couple of women in the audience who were crying because like, this is what I need to do too. And it was such a beautiful moment. And like, I will never forget that for the rest of my life because that just goes to show that when you do have the courage to be true to yourself, you like unknowingly give the people around you permission to do the same. And I had so many response responses um, to the email because I'm very aware that my choice to be in a same-sex relationship it will oppose beliefs of people who are you know believe um heterosexuality which is absolutely fine i am always open to the fact that people will have their beliefs and because you know i've opposed their beliefs with my life decisions if it rubs them the wrong way and they want to leave then i you know bless them and let them go because i don't want them to feel that conflict you know and so in the email that i shared 
um, to like to share this uh, podcast episode I had that's been like the highest response rate of emails they're like oh my god no like you spoke about something that many people are just not ready to share or they're just they're just they're so scared of like the pushback that they could feel but I received nothing but love from it and it was just a really beautiful moment and that's when like I totally agree with you that when you share the really deep stuff it brings out a lot more love in people than you think yeah wow I am very moved right now Um, Because we're in a video call right now, so I could see your face and I could just feel, I'm just feeling all sorts of way right now just listening to that. Thank you for sharing that, Mekay. Thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I guess just to follow up on what you just shared, because you mentioned that moments that, that we're most scared to share, they usually bring about such a powerful response from our audience. And one thing I would also like to add on to that is that, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be a very grandiose or large Mm. event, but even the smaller mundane moments will really resonate with our people. And, you know, actually a very recent example is from my end is that I recently got not so good haircut. (laughs) I got bangs. Um, So right now it's grown out a bit more and I clipped it up for today, but Mm when I first cut them, they didn't look very good from my eyes. And I was very embarrassed. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to go on stories for two weeks. I'll just take a two week social media detox. (laughs) And over the weekend, after I got my haircut, I realized, wait a second. So that Monday morning, as I was getting ready for the day, I looked in the mirror and I realized that is such a silly thought. And I immediately, as soon as I got my makeup done and I brushed my teeth, I hopped on stories and I shared that thought about how I was, I got a haircut recently and I showed my face and I shared with my audience, you know, for the whole entire weekend, I thought about doing a hiatus for two weeks, a social media detox for two weeks because I was so embarrassed of my hair and I've never gotten so much love from the audience before. (laughs) My DMs really were blowing up that day and it was just so interesting to see that, you know, even the mundane moments can get, can really resonate with people. And I've actually had someone reach out to me saying that, oh my goodness, I just got bangs as well. And I have been avoiding Instagram for an entire week because of it. So it's so interesting that stories, even our big moments and our small moments can both resonate very deeply with our people. Mm, yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I, I agree. Like sometimes like people feel like they have to have like this big grand, grandiose story in order to feel like their story has a place. But you're right. Like it is in the daily minutiae that can actually resonate even more because it's, it's more relatable because like the thing is like with these really grand stories is that they're very hyper specific to that person's journey from a longer term perspective. But the daily minutiae is just a couple of minutes or just like a single moment in a day that many of us have also experienced, you know? So yeah, totally agree with that. So bless you. I mean, like, I, I remember when you got back, I thought, oh, she looks cute. <laughs> like, I remember <laughs> that actually. But, but to realize now that um, I obviously I didn't catch that story when you were sharing the embarrassment of your bangs. But yeah. No, you look great. (laughs) (laughs) I still prefer my forehead. I think bangs aren't necessarily for me, but hey, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. I'd love to ask you, Cheryl, kind of, um, so I shared my grandiose story. Is there something that you've been terrified to share beyond the bangs? (laughs) But you did it anyway. And what was the result from your audience who see you like every day? You know, my origin story the law school dropout story is actually something that I was so, so terrified to share for weeks and weeks before starting my YouTube channel and showing up on Instagram. You know, I avoided sharing my departure with anyone I knew from law school and they found out through social media actually, (laughs) because I was just so terrified of telling anyone, even people I knew and people I didn't know online. And I knew that this story will resonate with someone. And I was hoping if someone out there was listening to my YouTube videos or my Instagram posts, whatever it was at that time, and they felt connected to it, then that's really it. That's all I needed to know. And, you know, 
fast forward to a few months later or many months later when I launched my business, my very first client ever, she said that she actually wanted to work with me because I was a law school dropout because she was going through a quarter life crisis herself and she Mm -hmm. was going through a career pivot herself. And, you know, that story, it's about origin story now, but at the time I was so scared to share it because what would people think? People will think that I was worried that people would think I have no credibility, that I'm a quitter, that I'm not Mm. committed and all these things that were going through my head. But what I didn't realize at the time, and I know now is that people will see it as a sign of courage to courage to walk away from something that wasn't serving me and instead stepping into something that was more in alignment with me. And, you know, ever since sharing that story for the first time and seeing the response from it, I realized that sometimes it's all in our heads that we, we think that we will get such a negative response, but people actually relate to it because they're going to do the exact same thing. And I think that if any quiet rebels are listening to this and they have something that they really want to share and they're really itching to share it, but it just has not rolled off the tip of their tongue yet, mm-hmm. you know, think about it. What's the worst that can happen when you share that story? And what's the best that can happen? Think about that. That might be the question you need to ask yourself and realize that, hey, maybe someone will resonate with it. And this would be not only a great way to resonate with my audience even further, but it might actually help someone. Mm. Oh, okay. So this is definitely a self-serving question, but I think that this could be relatable to some in the audience, that there are some stories that we want to share so much, but, and it's not just about worrying about what other people think, but the emotional trauma that it could trigger in other people. So I do obviously have an example. Otherwise, this would have kind of come out from nowhere. But when do you think it's okay versus not okay to share something that could emotionally trigger other people from their own traumas? Oh, that's a deep question. Hmm. I think my first instinct is that as I, I, I would like to look at it from two ways two potential, obviously there's no right or wrong here, but two ways that I think people could interpret this or make the decision for themselves is the first way is, are you in a place where you're okay sharing this in the first place? Because if you are, if you're sharing this, but you are very uncomfortable, if it makes, if it brings up more traumatic memories, if it's going to not be a place that serves you as a person sharing that story, that's something to consider. But at the same time, I think that, I mean, we see people add disclaimers all the time about, hey, there's a trigger warning ahead. I think that's one way to go about it for sure. But I think that as long as you preface the story with a bit of a disclaimer and a gentle lead into it, it might not be as a, people know what they're getting themselves into before listening to it. I think that as a consumer of content, we do have a responsibility on our ends to consume in healthy doses. Mm-hmm. I think as a content creator or the person sharing a story, we also have a responsibility to not just shock our audience with a story that might be triggering for someone. So I think that in that scenario, if we're able to add a very gentle disclaimer and a very gentle and slow lead into the story that might be triggering for someone in whatever way, shape or form, that may be a way to go about it. And another angle that just came to mind is, would this detract from your credibility? Because I know that some people might Mm. be very aware of how a story or experience might detract from their credibility. So that's another factor to consider. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, the person with the story makes a judgment call. Mm. And this, if it's your truth, you have, it's, it's up to you whether you want to share it or not. And I think that if you feel that this can really benefit someone and you are in a place where you're comfortable sharing it, then maybe you can lead in gently and share that experience. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I asked this question, so I'm just going to follow your advice. So what I'm about to share may be very triggering for anybody Mm -hmm. who has gone through any form of sexual assault. So if that is you, please do proceed with caution you're more than welcome to kind of like leave this interview as it is and probably like skip a couple of minutes so you can receive the rest of Cheryl's gems that she'll be sharing soon. 
But so I asked this question because in 20, I remember very specifically February 2017, I decided to speak up around this experience of being sexually abused by my ex-partner. And for me, the more that I was able to speak privately about it with very trusted individuals, very trusted friends of mine, the easier it was to overcome the, the trauma because suddenly as I spoke with more people and I chose very specific people who have either gone through something similar, but they are very strong, that they've come back from it like with 10 times the amount of strength or they're people who just like know how to hold space. So I was very, very um, specific about that. But then I was just ready to kind of like talk about it openly. And I did do those disclaimers, but I didn't realize at the time that the audience on my Facebook account also included family members. And that alone, I think everyone's like in the audience, like, oh no, (laughs) because sometimes it's so easy to speak with friends about these sorts of things and family, because there's just so much more attachment and so much more responsibility especially because I'm one of the youngest in my family so I know it was really difficult news to take on board so despite the disclaimer they watched it anyway because curiosity is what drives human beings and then I kid you not Cheryl like after I got off that Facebook live and I felt really I felt really proud of myself to have the courage to talk about it because I didn't just talk about the experience, but I talked about how I overcame it. So just in case there was someone else watching, that they could feel that sense of safety, that someone that they know has been through it and they've managed to overcome it. So maybe they can too, if they haven't done so already. That was my intention. But when I got off the Facebook Live, I checked my WhatsApp as as I do. And then there's just a huge explosion of messages and missed phone calls and when I finally had the courage to answer a phone call, like my mom was like sobbing on the phone. She was angry and hurt and sad that I went through it. And there was only one person in my family who stood up to the rest of them and said, because they were all like, Make, hey, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? You know, it's like, what, do you not trust us? So basically kind of like from that perspective. And so I was like, well, if you're going to say that, then no, I'm not going to want to share that with you because you'll make it about you. Like not, they don't mean to, they're probably just not aware of that. But there was just one cousin that I had who said like, guys, make Hayden didn't tell us, you know, probably because she wasn't ready to and because she knew that it would hurt you to know. So she protected you from knowing. So you didn't have to go through this hurt. And I was like, oh, thank you. (laughs) You know, um, so I messaged him privately to say, you know, I really appreciate, you know, that support. And I did wind up talking like individually to each family member, not to justify why I did it, but just to explain that this was a form of healing for me to kind of like move forward. Because as far as I'm aware, maybe they just haven't told me their own, but they may have not gone through it and probably don't know how to support someone who has. So that's why I asked you that loaded question Cheryl because um I felt so ashamed after that experience I was on a hiatus for two years and actually the start of this podcast was actually my form of redemption from that hiatus it was like okay I'm ready to show up again and I'm not gonna leave this time when things get hard so actually the representation of this podcast was that just initial bout of courage that I want to sustain consistently to show up for everybody who's listening to help them through their journeys by sharing our stories sharing our strategies to help them keep moving forward because something like that can be very devastating Um, and so once you've given yourself time to heal and to reflect there is room for you to come back and to talk about these stories that can really change people wow wow well first of all thank you Mikay for sharing that that was I think that you know the response we we can never predict it we can really never predict the response that we'll get when we share a story but you know in hindsight I'm very curious actually 
would you have shared that on that day or would you have not if, if, now that you know the response that you've gotten from your family would you still have shared that yes I would have because I can't expect my family to be in the same place as I am because I know that none of them have ever invested in coaching um, before or some sort of support for their personal development um, because I'm not sure of the same for you, Cheryl, but like Chinese families, like we just taught to pretty much like suck it up and just keep moving forward and don't, even when I was a child <laughs> and like I fell over and I started crying, I'd be like, don't cry. So basically it was always like a suppression <laughs> of emotion because they just didn't know how to handle it or they just thought it was too noisy or something. And so I've always been the sensitive child and it was always like, seen as a flaw because everyone else wasn't sensitive but I see it in a completely different lens I think I just have this superpower of like very intense understanding of people's emotions and when it's like hits them like a tidal wave um just kind of like almost like without their permission then of course they're going to naturally want to like put that barrier up again and be like oh I wasn't ready for this like how dare you put this on my plate now I have to deal with it so that's kind of the the feeling that I get when I try to have these deeper conversations with my family, but they're just not there yet. And that's okay. It just means that I just need to choose different people to share this stuff with. And that's okay. But yeah, in retrospect, I really wish that it didn't hurt my family, but at least they know now that there's a reason why I fight for so long for something where there's no immediate reward, like a business is, you know, you're in it for the long haul. You're not here for an overnight millionaire success. It's like, I choose to do this. And now they understand what my business means to me. It's a way for me to kind of like really truly shout for myself. It's why I do martial arts, you know, so that I know how to protect myself. And it's all about self-empowerment really, because now they know the depth of despair that I've been through. So now I feel that because they know what I've been through, they're less likely to judge on the choices I make in my life because they're like, oh, we know that she's basically clawed her way back up from rock bottom. So yes, there was a lot of initial discomfort. And of course, I never meant to hurt anybody, whether it was my family or, any or anybody who watched that video. But I wouldn't take it back because it did mean a new level of understanding from the people around me, for sure. I am very happy to hear that even in hindsight, you would not have had it and you would not have chosen another opportunity to share that with your people. Thank you. And you know what, Cheryl? I feel like this is almost like a therapy session. So which <laughs> 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 just like, it, it's wonderful. Like, but of course I want to ensure that um, this conversation is also applicable to those who are listening. Mm -hmm. So now that I shared like two like grand stories, I would love to hear from you kind of like, um, because in the green room when we were speaking, we were talking about how there are different types of content and there's one that many focus on, which is teaching. And I'm totally guilty of this, you know, kind of like, oh, the best tips and tricks, all of the three myths that you must bust. And there is a place for that. So how can we integrate storytelling to your point where because I know that people who want to tell stories they just don't want to make it seem as if it's all about them so how do you balance that when you want to tell your story or you know that's really true to you but also ensuring that that is valued in itself yeah so you know how I like to look at content strategy you could say is I like to look at it with in the sense of two overarching goals so to me, when I create a piece of content, whether it's showing up on stories, creating a post, I like to have two overarching goals and hopefully the content will hit one of the two goals. So the first goal is that it will build authority and the other goal is that it would build relationship. And so to me, the authority building content essentially shows that you know what you're talking about. You're not just talking the talk, but you're actually walking the walk. Whereas relationship building content, from my perspective, is something that will show that, hey, you're not just someone who knows what you're doing, but you're actually someone who's relatable and likable as well. Because when it comes to having a business, it's one thing to know all the tips and strategies, but you also have to be a very likable, relatable person before someone wants to approach you in the first place. So to me, it's important to have both types of content up your sleeve. And I think that one misconception that I see very often and I'm guilty of sometimes as well is that I value 
educational tips a lot more sometimes. Mm. But you know, when I take a step back and I think about okay, but just because I'm giving out all these tips and strategies and step by steps and how tos doesn't mean that my audience actually likes me. They might just consume my information and say thanks for all the tips and strategies, but they might not actually like me enough to want to work with me. So that's why I think that your story has a place in both authority building content and relationship building content because your story can show that you're an authority by demonstrating that you've done this for yourself, by showing that you've gotten results, by showing that you, this is a lesson that you've learned. But also, it can tie in very nicely with relationship building content because your story in itself is such a personal element. To your entire brand and your entire business, and I mean, when it comes to building a personal brand or a business on social media, the keyword of social media is social,、mm-hmm. and the keyword in personal branding is personal.、Mm-hmm. So that's why your story ties in very nicely with that personal and that social elements of social media and personal branding. And so, based on what you've shared so far, Mikay. Let's think about how we can break it down into authority building content and relationship building content, if you don't mind. Yes, of course. I always love real life examples. <laughs> Alrighty. So you've shared a huge story and a past story. So let's think about how we can tie that into either authority building content or relationship building content. So, you you briefly touched on it earlier, but can you just share once more what is Your message, just in a nutshell, what is your message? What is the purpose? What is your why? Oh, okay. So I feel like I've been I've been doing a lot of messaging work recently, so this has really come up a lot. But ultimately, no matter what I do, I'm here to amplify the voices that have yet to be heard. And I think earlier when you were sharing the story, where you you did the the live stream, I think that you actually already demonstrated the Both authority building content. That story in itself demonstrated both authority and relationship building content. Because when it comes to authority building content, it's really showing that you are actually not just talking to talk, but you're actually walking the walk. So, by way of sharing that, hey, I am amplifying the voices of people who are less heard, and that is my message. By showing that you have done that for yourself. You are showing that hey, I I've done this for myself, and this is why I believe in this message so much. So that in itself is such a powerful authority building story or content. And just by sharing that story, you're in itself demonstrating authority. Because the thing with content is that not every piece of content has to have a CTA. <laughs> not every piece of content has to have a teaching point of, of obvious teaching points. Because when you're just showing up and talking and sharing your story, sharing your ideas, just showing up online, you're selling yourself. You're selling your business. You're sharing your brand. You're you're selling essentially.、Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I like to tell my audience and my clients is that just by sharing your story, that is in itself selling the end product, whatever offer you have in the back end. And even if you're not adding a direct call to action, or you're not promoting an offer specifically, just by sharing your story or an experience, even if it's very big or very small, that in itself is selling. And so, going back to your story, Maykay, just by even in the past ten minutes or so when you were sharing that story, that in itself is showing that hey, this is my message, and this is why I believe in it so much. Just by sharing that story, you've shown your authority. So let's talk about. The relationship building piece. Well, I would say that your example ties in very nicely with relationship building as well, because whether or not someone has gone through a similar experience as you, the overarching theme there is that you stood up for yourself. You you stood up for yourself and you shared a story that you know that that you truly believe in, and it's and that in itself. Is something that people can relate to because many quiet rebels, I'm sure, they want to do the same. Maybe they've been thinking about sharing a story or a message that they really believe in, but they just haven't had that gentle nudge to push them forward to do so. And just by hearing that story, that builds a connection between you and your audience, the listener, 
who may be on the cusp of sharing something, uh, sharing a very powerful message that they truly believe in. And just by hearing that story from you, they feel that they are so connected with you because that commonality between you and them is that desire to share a message, a story. And so, you know, the example that you gave earlier is ties in very nicely with both relationship building content and authority building content. So what I would like to do as well is, is there a more mundane story that you would like to share that we could do the same exercise with? So was there something that happened in the past seven days or so that you, maybe you've told someone in your life about, but you didn't really think about sharing it with your audience? Should I say about the cat thing? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Okay. So uh, in honor of the 10-year anniversary with my partner and I, we actually want to finally get our first pets together, which is going to be two cats. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so excited. Just, just, I mean, Cheryl actually has a cat. Like, it's not in the room anymore. But before, like, when we're in the green room, I was like, oh, my God, please turn your screen. <laughs> because I want to see this cat. Um, but as you can see, my energy is like, immediately gone so much like lighter and I'm so happy because cats make me very happy but yes so getting first pets in the relationship my favorite pet. awesome <laughs> and so I think the more obvious content that this could relate to are all the cat lovers out there or all the pet lovers out there so mm-hmm. anyone who is an animal lover will immediately feel a connection to that example there but what might be a little hard less obvious is the authority bone piece so let me just dig a little deeper mm-hmm. Why is it that you waited until your this year to consider getting a cat? Let's talk about that. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, of course, with any pet, there is a responsibility. And I grew up having hamsters. So in total, I had like seven hamsters. I can remember all their names. Speedy, Fluffy, Popsy, Poppy, Lucky boy lucky girl and uh pipsy <laughs> so they were the names of all, all of my hamsters and um yeah so they you know they typically live for about three years right so the commitment is lower and i think because um not to say that i ever questioned the commitment i have to my partner because we already know that we can get married and have children and all the things so that's that but it's a different dynamic because i think a part of me thought because our entire families don't know about relationship yet and having cats is a commitment to the cat and therefore each other as well so it almost felt premature to make such a commitment to animals that stay around for decades without actually telling about our relationship prior so I think that was a big reason why and also you know just taking into account lifestyle and setup of the house to see if it's um, safe for the cats and all the and all the things. So that's also why I'd say. Yeah, I can tell from your excitement, just talking about your soon to be cat is that this is important to you. And just like your message, your purpose, your why for your business is so important to you. And the connection there is that, you know, how I would share this with your audience might be, I would tell the story about, you know, my partner and I are thinking of getting a cat and I've been waiting until this year to do so. And this made me really think about how the process is quite similar to sharing your message because I've been wanting to get a cat for so long. And just like how many of you might be wanting to share a message or a story for so long, but you're really waiting to commit to it. You're, you're really waiting to make sure that this is the right, the right time and the right fit because by doing so, by, by not impulsively just sharing it, for example, maybe it's a story that they haven't healed from. Maybe it's a story that they just experienced, but they haven't really learned the lessons from it. But if you prematurely share a message, sometimes the impact that you want to make isn't as powerful as if you were to wait and fully commit to the message and understand this. Why? Why is this message so important to me? Why is this cat so important to me right now? Why is this the right time to get a cat? You know, and you can kind of draw parallels there. And I know it might seem like a stretch, but how I would personally segue from your cat story to the message story is that I might say, um, if I were you, Mike, I might say, I might explain the cat story and then I might say, and why I am sharing this story with you today is because this is very similar to sharing your message. And sometimes that transition from your story to that teaching point can be very direct and very, mm-hmm. very in your face, but other times it might be more gentle and smoother. <laughs> but 
you know, there are many analogies in our life. There are so many analogies in our life and parallels in our life that can tie into our purpose and our why. And I think that when, and how this leads into authority building content is that just a very mundane example from your life can segue into a teaching point that you wanted to share. So that's one example of authority building content through your story is because sometimes when you just throw facts and tips and strategies at your audience, they might be like, Ooh, that's a lot to take in for once. But when you ease into it with a story and you grab their interests with your story, that may be a more gentler way to share the teaching lessons that you wanted to share. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And like, I, I totally know what you mean because I, I, I know that I'm good at what I do with the whole podcast guesting arena. But sometimes when I share those tips and tricks, it just seems so stale. And I was like, oh, I want to bring in some personality into this. And I love actually what you said. That I, I know what you were trying to get at for the, the cat story and how it's very similar to sharing one's message. Because just like before you share your message out there, you need to be aware of like any repercussions. So you need to kind of like ensure that your environment is set up for you to really allow yourself to do it properly just like for example I wouldn't buy cats without cat proofing this house you know I wouldn't do that because it's not good for the cat just like how if someone receives your message prematurely it actually might do more damage than it can do good so there is like patience and just waiting for the right timing but also it's just also the approval I feel as well like when you actually make a commitment you have to stick to it, right? Like, I can't just, like, turn around one day, like, after two months, like, oh, actually, I don't want a cat anymore. You can't do that. I mean, like, I know some people do, but people like that don't deserve cats. (laughs) And that goes for all animals, actually. But, yeah, when it comes to your message, like, you can't just take it back, like, after two months. It's, like, there. It's there to stay. And that's what it is. It's a commitment long-term. So I definitely see, like, the parallels with cats. And I never thought about that before. So, yeah, you can talk about cats more. (laughs) And yes, it does attract the cat lovers. I, I kid you not, ever since my uh, my podcast pitching students, when they um, started pitching me, oh, they would often actually attach pictures of cats because um, <laughs> that, that, that they have. They're like, oh, you know, this is so-and-so. <laughs> and they'd always tag me in cat-related things because they know it makes me happy. And that's actually a tip, actually, for um, everyone who's listening. If you want to like build a relationship, you do need to establish common ground. And almost always, if they have a, a pet, if you can relate to them, send pictures of your own or just like talk about the beauty of like raising your own and they, they just all relate to you. Pets make you happy. So animals rule. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you really explained it so much nicely. So much more nicely than I did. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like I know that you were kind of like coaching like as you were doing it as well. And so I can see the power of your work for sure. And like, I just feel so happy now that I could talk <laughs> about cats a lot more and actually be able to tie it back to something tangible. So, <laughs> so that is awesome. So thank you for actually giving us a demonstration of what it's like to take one seemingly mundane piece of information of a story and actually turning it into like two types of content authority and relationship building so what advice would you give Cheryl for someone who hasn't connected with you yet but will give them like you know place of where to connect with you later but for someone who's trying to like do this on their own like how can they start going about taking that story piece and splitting it into those two types of content Mm. so you know I think when we look at our day-to-day, our, we feel like it's so mundane, so boring, so simple. But there are many pieces of our everyday moments that are so relatable. In fact, the daily moments are more relatable than the grandiose moments sometimes. And actually, one example just came to mind is that one time I was having a client call with a client and her kids kindly interrupted our session <laughs> and it was caught on our zoom call recording mm-hmm. and we ended up turning that recording that snippet of the kids interrupting the call into a piece of uh, instagram content for her and she actually posted that snippet of that recording and her caption was something about you know this is what because her her target audience is working moms oh, um, see. yeah so this was a perfect relationship building piece of content that really resonated for audience because her caption was something along the lines of, you know, sometimes it's inevitable that our kids, especially during the pandemic times, it's 
in, it's almost inevitable that our kids will interrupt our calls. But hey, life still goes on, our work still goes on, our call still goes on, and this is what life of a working mom is like. And so she got quite some engagement on that piece of content. And it was just so interesting to see that, you know, that mm-hmm. such a seemingly simple everyday moment can be turned into a piece of content. So that is one example. But I think that if there's a moment that happened in your day, that you shared with a partner, that you shared with a friend, that you shared with a family member, think about whether you can turn that into a piece of content idea for your business. Because a lot of times these relatable moments that you share with your friends, your loved ones are usually okay given your own discretion. They're usually okay to share with your audience as well. Mm-hmm. So by analyzing what are the text messages that you're sending to your loved ones and seeing if those moments that you're sharing can be translated into a segue into a teaching point or just simply sharing it for the sake of relating or resonating with your audience, you know? So that's one tip that I would have for the choir rebels listening to this. Oh God, I, I definitely, um, I was just thinking of the messages sent <laughs> and there's a lot of TMI like discussion. <laughs> I mean, okay, let's just say like a couple of friends and myself, like we're, we're into toilet humor and it's not for everyone. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that advice and just be careful of like not just not grossing people out with the things that we're into. But okay, yeah, that's good to know. And I think that really does take off the pressure again, like away from this big grand story that only a very small handful would actually really be able to relate to on on some level. But just the mundane minutiae of the day is actually sufficient. And actually can be a lot more powerful because I think it kind of like brings you to the same level where like you're a fellow human being who goes through similar things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So Cheryl, let's kind of like bring this all back. So like we spoke about a lot today and I love that you pretty much like dissected some big stories that I personally shared. And um, I'd love to kind of like bring it back to like how can the Quiet Rebels audience like really take this on board into their own content? So you already shared about how to, you know, take whatever size story you have, whether it's a minutia story or a grand story into both authority and relationship building content. What's something else that they can really take away from our conversation today and implement in their businesses? One thing that comes to mind is that the concept of documenting your journey is really relevant. And when I say documenting your journey, the audience could either document their day-to-day and take snapshots, take boomerangs of their, their behind the scenes and share it in real time. Or if it's an obstacle that you're going through, for example, you could record yourself talking to the camera, record your real-time thoughts and the lessons that are going through your head and the feelings that are going through your mind and record it and just keep it for yourself. Because a lot of times in the moment are when in the in the very present moment is when we experience our feelings and emotions and thoughts the deepest or the most intense the most intensely but you know sometimes we're just not ready to share that that moment in that exact time so when i say documenting your journey i like to think of it as you could either share things in real time you can take snapshots of behind the scenes of things that you're working on what are you doing for your business? What are things that you would like to share sneak peeks of? And if it's a more challenging moment that you're going through, that could be eventually turned into a teaching lesson for your audience, save it, save it for now. And so document everything if you can. You don't have to share everything, but you might want to keep those moments for yourself and remember how far you've come because maybe a week later, when you look back on that video recording of you having a really hard time, you realize that, wow, in just a span of a week's time, I have gone through a lot and I am really proud of the progress I'm making in my life or in my business. So that's one practical action step that the Quiet Rebels can start doing today is just to record everything that, that they're doing and they could either share immediately if applicable or save it, save it for later. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like there are so many things that happen, but I don't want to share it in the moment because unless I feel like there is a a safe finish line 
then I won't always share it because I want to make sure that I don't just leave people in the dark. Like I don't want it to be like the blind leading the blind sort of feeling, but that's a good point. Like just documenting, just like how powerful journaling is. But when you see your own face and you hear your own voice on a video, like those are incredibly powerful. So I love that. Absolutely. So for those who want to see you, walk the talk on your own Insta stories, like pretty much every day, where can people go to connect with you? Obviously it's Instagram, but where else can we, uh, you know, connect with you further? I am most active on Instagram for sure. Um, that is where I find that it's the easiest to just hop on and say hi, connect with my audience and share some tips or thoughts that are on my mind that day. So if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Cheryl Theory. So C-H-E-R-Y-L. T H E O R Y. And yeah, that is where you'll, you can connect with me the quickest. I'll be there very actively. So, where else you can find me? I, you can find me on my website, CherylLoud.com, but you'll probably catch me on Instagram a lot more than my website. Awesome. And I know you also had like a free guide for us like to just kind of a quick start because I know that today was a lot to take in. And I know uh, like for me anyway, whenever I hear someone's story, I get so invested in the moment that I kind of forget the takeaway. <laughs> I know you actually have a quick start guide for us as well, just to kind of like help us encapsulate everything that we covered today and just to kind of like help us move forward step by step. So where can they go to get that? Yeah, so uh, we can either leave it in the show notes or you can yeah. go to the URL, which is page dot slash free guide. So I'm, I think it's easier if we leave it yeah, in the show Yeah, yeah, okay. So my lovely, there's going to be a link in the show notes where you can hop on over to my website where you can actually go through all the links to connect with Cheryl on Instagram, of course, on her website and for the free quick start guide. So, okay. All of that's going to be covered. <laughs> All right. So before I let you go, I've got two final questions for you, Cheryl. Number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? What makes me a quiet rebel? Okay. So, you know, by nature, my temperament is more of an introvert. So, and I've always been more on the quiet side. I've grown to be more, to be more chatty around people I'm familiar with now. But growing up, I was definitely the people pleaser, the quiet person, the person who always studied in the library by herself, <laughs> trying to get those straight A's. But um, what I have come to realize over the past years, especially since my law school dropout journey, that's when I realized that, you know, just because I'm quiet does not mean that my message has to be quiet. Mm. But rather, you know, just because my personality, my temperament, in the day-to-day is more on the quiet side doesn't mean that my impact has to be quiet and that's something that I really try to encourage my clients and my audience to think about as well is that even if you identify as an introvert or someone who's more shy who is you know not fitting into the mold of a popular person Mm. you know even if you don't identify with certain things that are associated with someone who's loud and extroverted you can still have a very powerful impact through your message and your story So that is what I'm all about. And that is what makes me a quiet rebel. I love that. And you know, there's this phrase that's like, oh, it's always the quiet ones, right? And I'm like, damn right, (laughs) it's always the quiet ones because we rock. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally relate to all of the things that you just shared. So thank you for being one of us. And my final question. So for all the quiet rebels listening, if you're a frequent listener, then you know what's coming next. Just in case it's the first episode that you're tuning into, which Sharon and I are very like grateful that you're here with us today. When you hear the sound, it means it's time for a fact of the day. So Cheryl is in our hot seat, right? <laughs> so Cheryl, I want to ask you, what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that pretty much no one else knows? So only just for us quiet rebels. All right. So one fact that I've actually not shared with my audience even on Instagram yet (gasps) is when I was younger my dream career or dream job was to be a textbook editor textbook writer I wanted to make textbooks like I really love observing how information is laid out in textbooks even though I might not like consuming it I like to observe how information is laid out in a logical way if it makes sense if it's clear if it's easy to digest 
And I think that kind of ties into my more academic nature. Um, actually, the, user, the username Cheryl theory was a kind of a joke back in high school because I thought I would have my own academic theory one day. Hopefully you one day, I still, I still can for sure. Hopefully, hopefully soon, I have my own theory. It'll be called a Cheryl theory if that's the case, but I've always just wanted to make a textbook of my own. Not a, not a fiction book, not a biography, but a textbook. So, hey, who knows? That can still happen in the next however many years. Well, you know, let me know if you have a wait list at one point for this <laughs> pending textbook and we will jump on it. <laughs> well, that's really, that's really fascinating. Yeah, and no, I, I can so see you. Like, I do have a friend who's actually written a textbook that's now a reference because he's, 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 um, he's a university lecturer amongst many other things. Um, he also has an entrepreneurial spirit and he actually recently wrote a textbook in the last year or so and it's really cool because then he starts seeing how his students reference his textbook <laughs> so they see so he sees like tan uh, comma a like in the reference yeah. um, for their study so it's so cool so one day we're gonna have like Lao like dash Cheryl <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be cool it's gonna be very cool all right well, Cheryl, I really, really appreciate you like jumping on today and like doing a little coaching as well and just like really helping to get the real message out there that there is a place for everybody's stories. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mika. This was so, so much fun. And thank you for sharing everything that you shared with us today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Hello, my lovelies. This is Mika Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor cat lover and the proud host of the quiet rebels podcast this is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been and contrary to what you might think you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard you've always been the type to see things differently and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion.